0: Now Burrow gonna launch downfield for Chase. Who's got it? Touchdown LSU.
1: It took a while, but the Bayou Bengals offense says join the party.
2: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. We are counting down the top 25 teams in the CBS Sports preseason rankings. We are discussing them here in the hurry up hot seat. And today, it's time to call to the hot seat. A familiar friend. It's Tom Fernelli. No friendship here as you now have to hold down the hot seat. And Mr. Fernelli, to open things up, we saw the LSU parade last basically until college football shut down again. Will there be an actual literal hangover from the national championship season for LSU this fall?
0: I don't think there can be a hangover simply because like, if you think of what a hangover is, it's when the three of us are together somewhere out at, uh, let's say a bar called jesters. And then the next morning after we've been out that night, We're dealing with the repercussions of our celebratory nature as human beings. But the thing is, we're still there in the morning. Whereas if we look at the LSU team that won the national title last year and question about the hangover, it's like, well, who's going to have the hangover? Because almost everybody is gone. I mean, nearly there were 14 players, I think, that were taken in the NFL draft. I might be. Yeah, 14 were taken. Five of them were first round picks. Joe Burrow won the Heisman. He's gone. Clyde Edwards-Helaire was an amazing running back for them. Perfect fit in that offense. He's gone. Justin Jefferson set a school record in receptions in a season. He's gone. Four-fifths of the offensive line is gone every linebacker who played for the most part is gone. You know, half the secondary is gone. The guy who's mostly credited with turning around the offense and modernizing it and bringing the best out of it, he's gone. Your defensive coordinator, the guy who had been your star coordinator before the other guy showed up last year and got all the credit, he finally got his crack at a head coaching gig. So it's like when you look at what LSU is going to be in 2020, there are a lot of new faces. The only one that's really there that I think everybody's going to recognize is Ed Orgeron, and I think because of that, and because of what Ed's gone, I don't think Ed is physically capable of having a hangover. I think that he's too tough well, he's, for a hangover. Yeah. So I don't, I, I can't say that there's gonna be one. No.
1: Well, uh, so what are we supposed to make of this team? Like, what's we, we knew what last year was. It was the Joe, is the Joe and Joe show. It was, it was high flying offense and. All of a sudden, LSU's turned into a spread team, but all the pieces are gone. And so, what 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 are we going to see? Are we going to see the old LSU, the old Ed Ogeron, or is is can Miles Brennan duplicate what just happened last year?
0: Yeah, I th- I think that's the biggest wild card. In that you know we don't know what to expect of Miles Brennan, who is a very rare case in college football today. In that he was you know a highly rated recruit, he was a four star player. He's recruited to LSU, and he didn't start. He saw some spot time, and then he did this crazy thing where he didn't transfer. Like, <laughs> he stuck around, and he bided his time, saying, it'll be my job at one point. And now, after Joe Burrow, who did transfer into LSU, is finally gone and off to the NFL – Brennan stands in line to take over, and we're going to get our first real glimpse of who he is and whether he can live up to you know, his his rating out of high school and if he could fill the shoes of Burrow because I think that with all the changes that we're going to see on LSU, I st- football is still a sport in which the quarterback is the most important player on the field, and a large part of the time, what we've seen and we've discussed about many teams is there, there are a lot of really good teams in the country. But the ones with average quarterbacks typically aren't playing for national titles. If you're going to win a national title, you need to have a good elite quarterback. So can Brennan be that guy? We can't say for sure. I will say that, you know, he's right now as we record this, he's in line to be the starter. But we can't ignore the fact that even though LSU's coaches have all had positive things to say about Brennan and their belief in what he can do for the offense— That doesn't change the fact that they were sniffing around the transfer market over the offseason looking for possible, maybe just whether they want to say it was competition or for somebody they felt would offer them more. We don't know. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of questions about LSU heading into 2020. I think he's the biggest wild card. But all that said, we talk a lot about what's left. There is still a lot returning. There is still a lot of talent on this team. Some of it is not or players that haven't really had time in the spotlight yet or full starting roles, but the floor for this team is still high. Like I think that in all reality, they play a difficult schedule. So you can't rule out like a four loss season, but I still feel like this is a nine and three team. Who's going to be ranked in the top 10, just about all season long. And maybe it loses to Alabama. Maybe it loses to, you know, Florida, maybe it loses to fellow elite teams, but it's still going to have a leg up on almost everybody else that's playing.
2: So, LSU's defense taking a perceived step back was one of the narratives throughout last season. They dealt with some injury issues, and Dave Aranda was even uh, putting tweaks into the defense on into November, even sort of as personnel was turning over. We lose, as you mentioned, some key players at linebacker. Secondary still has some star power. Maybe some new faces up front, but. The biggest addition that has everyone's attention is Bo Pelini, who when he was last in Baton Rouge was defensive coordinator for a national championship winning team that was just grinding out perfect Les Miles football. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is not going to be a Les Miles football kind of team offensively at all, as we expect. um, We still, with Scott Linehan and... Uh, Steve Ensminger's offensive coordinator, we expect them still to embrace the spread, still to embrace tempo when they can use it. What does the Bo Pelini uh, LSU DC impact or fit look like to you?
0: I think, I mean, like you said, he, he spent three seasons there as defensive coordinator. Les Miles' his first three years in Baton Rouge. Pelini was his DC. They won the national title in t- 2007. He immediately leaves to take the head coaching job in Nebraska. And now all these years later, he's back. I I don't think it's a bad fit. I think that he's familiar with it. And I think he knows what he has to do. But I think that he's in a position now that a lot of defensive coordinators are in where, you know, before last year, we all, you know, Dave Aranda, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I don't think that changed his defensive performance as far as the raw numbers changed. But there's an adjustment period going from the style of play that LSU had utilized for all those years beforehand to what they changed last year. And that doesn't just, you know, the numbers show up, but rate wise, they might not be all that different than what they had been the year before. Although most, a lot of metrics suggested LSU's defense did slip in key areas, but there's that adjustment. You have to adjust to playing a different way and having different goals. Whereas you had a mindset in the years before where it's like, okay, man, we can't give up, our offense stinks. We cannot afford to make mistakes. If we give up 14 to 20 points, we'll probably safe, but even then we could be in some trouble. You have to change your mindset now to where you don't have to worry about being perfect. You just have to worry, you know, you you just want to be good enough and realize that your offense is going to bail you out. So I don't know if Polini has really been in that situation. I don't know how he, if, if he comes in sitting there thinking, we've got to, you know, shut everybody out and takes that approach. It could lead to trouble, but I do think that he's experienced enough to know and he sees what he has around him where this defense with the talent he has it's hard to think that it's going to be bad. It might not be elite, oh my God, amazing defense like of the historic variety we see up from the offense last year, but LSU's defense is going to be fine. And LSU's defense no longer has to win games for it. That's the key.
1: All right, let's assume LSU's defense is going to be fine. Let's assume the offense is going to be talented. Let's assume Bo Pelini is going to be able to come in and... Uh, not skip a beat um, let's make all the positive assumptions that you would make after a team loses 14 players of the NFL draft on the best team of all time can we really have confidence that LSU is going to have the leadership the identity without their pass game coordinator and their defensive coordinator and just without the spring and and all the seven-on-seven opportunities and weight room and workout opportunities to develop the kind of team. I don't know bonding for lack of a better word, though I hate that word. But are they going to have the identity? Are they going to have the leadership to run it back? Because that's that's all of a sudden now the expectation. If they go eight and four, that's going to be that's going to be a bitter pill to swallow.
0: Yeah, I, I think that. The key there that you bring up is the fact that, you know, they they don't have the spring and all that time. The the time everybody lost all that time this year. Okay. But not everybody is in a situation like LSU is where they have so much that's changing and so much after place and not like you said, not just on the field, but on the sidelines with the coaches. So it's gonna be a little more difficult for them. There might be an adjustment period to find that identity. And when you look at their schedule, you know, they've got Texas at home. In week two, which is exact, you know, mirror reflection of what happened last year, where LSU went on the road to Texas in week two. And it's also in that same situation where. LSU went to Austin looking to make a point to everybody last year. It's like, hey, we've got this new offense. There's still some skepticism about how serious we are and whether this is going to be effective. And then we saw them in that Texas game, and everybody realized, okay, no, they were serious. This is a real thing. We're probably going to be hearing about this team all season long. This this is a thing. Well, Texas is entering 2020 with that same kind of mindset, too, where they know that they have doubters, and they're going to go to Baton Rouge in week two thinking, man— we could go shock the world and really deliver a statement about what our intentions are for this season. So, for a team like LSU that has so much to replace and a lot to figure out about itself, that is a tough game for them in the second week of the year. Although, I do think that being at home is going to be a huge advantage for them there. But, uh, I think if there's a benefit outside of that, though, it's that really the earlier part of the season, the schedule isn't as tough like they get Florida in week six. But if you look at how their schedule breaks down, those the Texas game and that Florida game on the road, which is its first true road game. Those are the the iffy ones, but that allows them time to kind of get that identity that they don't have to figure out who they are and what roles they want to fill And hopefully they're in a situation where when they hit November, which is when things really get difficult. But hopefully if you're LSU, you know what you are. You know what you're trying to do. Everybody has its role. Everybody knows what it's capable of at that point. Because November, man, they start off with Alabama at home. Then they get South Carolina at home, which, you know isn't a tough game compared to the rest, but it's also senior day for them because their last two games are on the road. They finish at Auburn and at Texas A&M. So when you look at that November schedule, it's like if LSU is sitting there at two losses before then, then it's hard to imagine them getting out of there with it without at least four losses on the season. So, it's it's going to be a situation where they're going to need to need they're going to need to use September as that time to figure out what they are and who they are and where they are. And it, that Texas game is kind of a speed bump that could slow that down, but I still think that all in all they'll they'll be cruising, I would say, by mid-October and really kind of, you know, signaling to intent what they're going to be the rest of the season at that point.
2: He is Tom Fernelli, and he has been relieved from the hurry-up hot seat. Tom, thank you very much. You can follow him on Twitter. You can read his story on CBSSports.com about LSU. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Go Tags.
0: Yo, it's two-time Super Bowl champion, Bryant McFadden, also known as B-Mac. Mike, check, one, two, one, two. And that's Patrick Peterson, a fellow cornerback, my cousin, and now my co-host on the new podcast, All Things Covered, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. This season, Pat will go from the
1: football field on Sundays to the studio on Mondays to bring you the perspective of an active player at the top of his game. And the name says it all. Sure, we'll catch up with Pat P
0: on how he and the Cardinals are faring, But we'll also talk about other sports, our personal interests, and social issues. Then we'll cover even more with a prominent guest each week. With 17 years of NFL cornerback experience between the two of us, we think you'll enjoy our coverage skills. So download and subscribe now to get weekly episodes released first thing Tuesday morning. All Things
1: Covered is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found.